Thank you for downloading this sermon brought to you by the preaching ministry of Liberty Baptist Church of Las Vegas, Nevada, Dr. David Tice. For more sermons in both audio and video format, we encourage you to visit experienceliberty.com. Also, for a word of encouragement, insight, and biblical inspiration, follow Pastor David Tice's blog at davidtice.com. So without further ado, let's open our hearts to the Word of God. Take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 12. Uh, This morning I was reading in John 12 and 13 in preparation for this evening, and I just began to think about this. I I, I began to think about the purpose of the Lord's Supper. Uh, Tonight we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper. We're going to take of the juice. We're going to take of the bread. We're going to remember his broken body. We're going to remember his shed blood. But as I was preparing for this, I was thinking, man, what, what was, what's the purpose? What is the reason that we do this? Again, to remember, but what are we supposed to remember? And then I just began to read the story. The story of Jesus. This, is, this, this, this supper, this first, the first time this took place, Jesus has come into Jerusalem. He's riding on a donkey. He is, and, and people are bowing before him, and they're saying, Hosanna, which means save us now. They're calling him the son of David. They're recognizing him as the king of Israel. They're recognizing him as the king of kings. They know because of prophecy that one day that king will reign in Jerusalem. That they, they know that, that, that he is going to be the son of David. They, they're anticipating the fact that he is now coming in. They've been praying for deliverance from Roman occupation. Now the one who has been declared the Messiah, the one who everybody's been whispering about and some have been screaming about, is coming in to Jerusalem. It's the time of the Passover. This is a time of deliverance. He's coming in. Jesus rides in and he allows them. In fact, when the Pharisees say, stop them, they're saying, Hosanna, they're calling you the son of David. They're recognizing you as the king of Israel. They're recognizing you as the Messiah. Stop them. Jesus responds to them, if they would not cry out, the stones would cry out. Man, this is a, an exciting time. You've got to understand that his disciples are thinking, he is here, this is where he's going to reign, and he's probably going to set up the kingdom. He's, he's in this place. This is where he is. The disciples are excited. The Pharisees are freaked out because they can't keep people from from worshiping him. Look at verse 17. The people, therefore, that was with him when he called Lazarus out of the grave and raised him from the dead bear record that that Jesus had risen, that from Jesus had risen or had brought Lazarus back from the grave. For this cause the people also met him, for they heard that he had done this miracle. Look what the Pharisees say. The Pharisees therefore said amongst them, themselves, Perceive ye how ye, ye prevail nothing. You can't do anything to stop this guy. This guy is moving forward. You can't stop him. Behold, the world has gone after him. All those in leadership were upset and freaked out. And they're going to the, to the Roman government saying, you've got to stop him. We can't stop him. Everything we can do, we're trying to do, but we can't stop him. The 
but, but now all of that's taking place. He's marching to the temple, the place where he will reign. He goes, he's been in Jerusalem now for several days, and now he goes to the temple. He enters into the temple. Now in the temple, there are places that the Gentiles could be in this outer court. This up here is called the court of the Gentiles. Out here, they're permitted. Out here, the Gentiles are permitted. But once you go through here, you can't go in here. This is, this is the women's court, and then beyond here is the court that only the Israelites could go to. It's the court of Israel. Oh, you had to be an Israelite. At a certain point, you couldn't go up to here because this was, a, this was, this was a holy place. And then this is the holy of holies. This is where many believe that Jesus, is, or the, the, the Messiah, is going to rule and reign forever. You've got to picture what's taking place. Jesus, is, Jesus has entered in. He's been declared the Messiah. He has said to others, if, the, if, if they stop crying out, then the rocks are going to cry out. He's accepting, he's accepting their praise. He's not telling them, don't tell anybody like he was earlier. He's saying, yeah, go ahead and shout it. Go ahead and say it. Go ahead and proclaim it because I am the Messiah. He enters in, and now he's in the temple. He's in the temple where the God of gods will reign for a thousand years. He goes through here. He's up into this area, and when he gets here, when he's at this spot, Understand this, a few feet away from the Holy of Holies, where he will be King of Kings and Lord of Lords, ruling on this planet for a thousand years. Can you imagine the anticipation that the, that the disciples have? But look at verse 20. Verse 20, the Bible says this, And there were certain Greeks among them, that came up to worship at the feast. Those Greeks were not allowed to be where Jesus was. He was in the inner court of the Israelites. He was heading towards the Holy of Holies. But there were two, at least two Greeks outside. They couldn't get to where Jesus was, and they wanted Jesus. They wanted Jesus. And so they approached one of his disciples, Philip, the Bible says, the same came, therefore, to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee. They knew him from Galilee. The Bible says, and they desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. We want to see Jesus. Well, they can't go where Jesus is, so they asked the disciples to go get Jesus. The Bible says, and Philip cometh and telleth Andrew, hey, these Greeks, these guys, these Gentiles, they, they want to see Jesus, and I know them, and, and what do you think? The Bible says in Andrew, remember Andrew's the one that brought Peter? Andrew's always bringing people to Jesus, or bringing Jesus to people. The Bible says, and again, Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. Picture this. He's 20 feet away from the place where he could be declared king of kings and lord of lords. This is a decision-making point. Humanly speaking, a decision-making point for Jesus. If Jesus says, no, 
I'm going to ascend to the throne. I'm going into the Holy of Holies. If he, and he had the right to walk in there and declare himself as king. But if he did, you don't get to go to heaven. If he does, you don't even get to be born. If he does, there's no hope for the Gentiles. He could establish the kingdom of Israel. But there's no hope for you. And if you do get born 2,000 years later, you die in your sin. He had to make a choice at that point, right there, where the glory was there, where his glory could have been manifest. And we know that he could do that because he transfigured before them. Right there, there's a deciding point. And listen, at that point, Jesus decided to die. Wow. Jesus decided to die. Why do we partake of the Lord's Supper? We partake of the Lord's Supper because Jesus made a decision. Look at verse 20. Look at verse 24. The Bible says, And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. I want you to know that we partake of the Lord's Supper because we remember the compassion of Christ. We remember the fact that he who could have ascended decided to instead die. Look at verse 24. It'll be on the screen. He said, Verily I say unto you, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Do you see the, the thinking? Do you see Jesus? There he is standing there in the courtroom. There he is standing just feet away. He doesn't have to die. He's God in human flesh. He doesn't have to do this. And he says, no, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. It'll just be me. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. At this moment, he chose to die because he loves you. It's an amazing thing. He chose, Rob, to love you instead of, instead of going and loving you. Rachel meant dying. It meant dying. That's what it meant, Noel. He's standing there, feet from glory, and he said, no, I want Noel in heaven. I want you to go to heaven. Stan, I want you to go to heaven. Mike, I want you to go to heaven. I want you to go to heaven. And if I go there, I'll abide alone. But if I fall into the ground and I die, then I'm going to bring forth fruit. And you're the fruit that he was talking about. You say, well, somebody told me it was a little fruity, but that's, that's the reality of what Jesus did. He suffered for you. This was a choice that he made. I'm just astonished when I look at that and I think of what he did. 
Then the Bible says this. The story goes on. Look in chapter 13. The Bible tells us this, that they enter, the, the disciples enter into, a, uh, uh, into the upper room. And they're going to talk. The Bible says they had, in other places, the Bible tells us that they were having a discussion about who was the greatest, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. They still don't understand what Jesus has done. In fact, they were probably scratching their heads saying, why didn't he just go? Why didn't he declare himself? Why didn't he, why didn't he just do it? So he leaves there. If he goes into an upper room and he announces to them that he's going to die. And they're, they're so wrapped up with who's going to be the greatest, who's going to be, the, who's going to be what. They're, they're fussing with each other. Now, now, again, what are we remembering? We're remembering, we're remembering his compassion and the fact that he w chose to die over the glory. And then we're remembering this, that as, as he goes in, in chapter 13, the Bible says this, Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come in verse 1 of chapter 13 that he should depart from this world unto the Father and having loved his own which were in the world he loved them unto the end the supper being ended the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot Simon's son to betray him he knows all this is taking place Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to, to God, he knew that this was going to happen. He rises, he, so he knows who he is, understand? He rises from the supper, and John doesn't tell us this, but we learn this from Luke and we learn this from Matthew, that they were all arguing about who's the greatest. He rises from the supper, and he laid apart his garments, and he took a towel and he girded himself as a servant would do. He takes his coat off, and he goes to them that are looking at what he is doing. What's he doing? And he bows down before them with a towel in his hand. It is such a mind-blowing thing to have the God of the universe bowing before you. Even if they didn't understand who Jesus was completely, to have this one, the master, bow before you and take your feet and begin to wash your feet like a common servant. Jesus bows before them. And it also blows my mind that part of them was Judas. He begins to wash their feet. After, after that, he had poured water into a basin. He began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? And Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter said unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him and said, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. I love Peter's response here. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not just my feet only, but my hands and my head. And Jesus said unto him, He that is washed needeth not to, uh, 
to, to save his, uh, save, wash his feet. What he was saying is, you're already cleansed, but you gotta, you're out there in the world and your feet are getting dirty, and you need to be continually cleansed, but, but, is, but is clean, very wet, and you are clean, but not all. And then he says this, for he knew who should betray him, therefore he said, you're not all clean. I think it's important that we remember the compassion of the Lord, but I also think it's important that we remember the cleansing of the believer and how important that is. When we come to, we come to the Lord's Supper, we need to remember how important it is that we live clean lives and that we allow the Lord to clean us up. And that we not think that we are cleaning ourselves up for God. Jesus said, it's not washing your hands and all that outward stuff. It's God cleaning you up from the inside. He wants us to be clean. I was listening to Leviticus uh, Tuesday morning and uh, started my Bible reading through the year early uh, in the last couple weeks of December, so I'm ahead of myself in my normal reading. I'm in Leviticus, and I'm reading in uh, Leviticus. I'm listening as I'm driving, and I'm thinking as, as Jesus starts, or as, as God starts talking about being clean, and he uses Moses to teach us about being clean and being clean and being clean, and he talks about all the details of cleansing. I thought, man, it's important to God that we live clean lives, that we live pure lives. It's so important that, that we be clean. Jesus said this. Jesus said in Matthew chapter uh, 5 and verse 8, and we talked about this a few weeks ago in church, blessed or happy are the pure in heart. God wants us to be pure, not just outwardly, but in our heart. They're going to see God. In, in Philippians, Paul said this, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, think on these things. God said, look, if it's pure, think on those things. God wants our thinking to be pure. God wants our hearts to be pure. In fact, he tells us to love with a pure love. He says, now the end of the commandment is charity or love out of a pure heart. God wants us to love people in a, with pure motives. In fact, the fact of the matter is we should live pure lives because when we do, we represent him. The Bible says, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. This is not something that comes natural. It's not something that, that you just naturally wake up every day as a believer. Oh, I'm just holy. I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, of course I'm going to be pure. You and I battle our flesh every single day. In fact, we have a battle against the world that tells us don't live holy. With that Satan who tells us don't live holy. And our flesh which says, I want everything that's unholy. That's your flesh. That's who you are. When... Jesus came to die for us. He died so that we might be made holy. And he wants, and, and positionally we are holy in the sight of God. And God wants us to make a choice to live holy. Again, as I'm thinking through this this morning, I'm thinking, man, it's amazing. 
the choices we make, how they affect everybody that we come in contact with. Everybody we come in contact with. Look, look, the choice that Jesus made there in that temple, Kyle, that day, that choice that he made affected your eternity. He chose to die rather than have glory. There are choices that you make, Kyle, that will either cause your children to have a negative life or they'll, make, they'll, they'll cause your children to have a positive life. The choices we make cause life and death for those we affect. Wow. Jesus affected every, everyone's eternity was affected by the choice he made. And I'm telling you, Young people, you're in here, you think, well, who am I going to affect? Oh, yeah, the choice you make right now as a Christian will affect somebody else 10 years from now that you may not even know. The choices we make affect people and affect people's eternity. That's why it's so important that we allow Jesus to cleanse us. Because when he cleanses us, our cleansing will affect other people. And people will get saved or not get saved based on our willingness to say, Jesus, cleanse me. I need you today. When we come to the Lord's Supper, we remember the compassion of Jesus Christ. When we come to the Lord's Supper, we remember the cleansing power of Him. Of him, and we, we, we were reminded this in First Timothy. Paul said this. Paul said this. Keep yourself pure. Make a decision to keep yourself pure. When we talk about the Lord's Supper, this is the time he says, "Look, before you partake tonight, examine yourself. Make sure you're right with God. Make sure that you're pure before you partake of this." You say, "Well, how do I get pure? What do I do?" It's very simple. Uh, uh, John said this, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the Lord's Supper is a time of purification. It's a time we come to God and we say, God, I want to be pure. God, you know I did this and I, I said this and I, I went there and I did that and I confess that to you. And I pray you'll take it out of my life. I have a hard time getting it out of my life myself. I pray you'll take it out of my life and make me pure. I confess it to you. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and we're pure before him. So when we come to the Lord's Supper, we remember his compassion. We, when we come to the Lord's Supper, we remember his, uh, his cleansing uh, of the believer. And the, the, the third thing that we, we see in, the, in this, well, as we partake of the Lord's Supper, is the community of the believers. He says to them, I want you to partake of this. I want you to remember me. I want you to remember what I did for you. He says, do this in remembrance of me until I come again. The disciples were all there together. In fact, he, wants, he, he said, look, what I've done tonight, I want you to do, and I want you to serve one another. He says this in, in, in verses 12 through 15, 
So after he had washed their feet and taken their garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? Do you, do you realize what I've just done? You call me Master and Lord, and you say, Well, that's who I am, for so I am. If I then be your, master, your Lord and your Master, and I've washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For so I have given you an example that you should do as I have done. Some, some uh, denominations have made this into an, another ordinance, washing feet. And I'm not so sure that that's not a good idea. Because it's a pretty humbling thing to wash somebody's stinky feet. Especially in our day because our shoes wrap around our feet and all day long. They, it's just not a pleasant thought at all. At least back then they were in sandals. You had open air. But the point here is this. It's not necessarily the washing of feet. It's the serving. That we're not, you're not great in the kingdom of God because somebody's serving you. You're great in the kingdom of God when you learn to serve others. And Jesus said, look, you need to understand this thing of, of my blood and my body that is given for you, is given so that you could be one serving one another. When we, in just a minute, pass out the elements, there's a way that we do that. What do we do? We, we pray for it, and then the deacons and the, the, the leaders distribute it to, to each one of you. And then they come and they serve one another, and then they hand it to me, and I serve them, and then they one of them will serve me so that everyone in this room is serving one another. I don't just reach in there and grab something for myself. No, we're serving one another. That's the way God wanted it to be at the Lord's Supper. He took the drink. He passed it to the next one. The next person passed it to the next one. And they served one another. God wants us to have that attitude of service. He wants us to remember the community of the believers. In fact, in verses 34 and 35, look at this. He ends, he, he, in the midst of this conversation, he says this, a new commandment I give unto you. And what is that? That you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. It's not just a matter of serving one another because we have to serve. Justin, God wants me to serve you because I love you. That's what God wants. Brad, God wants me to serve you because I love you. That's what God wants for us. And God wants us to remember his compassion. He wants us to remember, he wants us to uh, remember what he did for us so we remember that we need to do the same one for another. He wants us to serve one another because we love one another. And as you're passing the cup, as you're taking the cup, as you're passing down the, the, the tray to the next person, remember this. You, God wants you to do that. Why? Because he wants you to love by serving one another. There's so much in what the Lord did. The decision that he made changed 
every life here, the decisions we make change the lives of everyone around us. And we make an impact. And so we come to the Lord's Supper tonight remembering these three things. Remembering the compassion of Jesus Christ, what he did, and the change that he, that his decision to die rather than to be glorified. The decision to cleanse believers. We come remembering that God wants us to be clean. And we come to him remembering the community of the believers. That God wants us to serve one another. And if we live that way, listen, if we live this way with his compassion, with his cleansing, and within the community serving one another, if we live this way in 2024, wow, what God will do through us will be absolutely amazing. I'm telling you this, 2023 was a banner year for Liberty Baptist Church in so many ways because people were just demonstrating the compassion of Christ. People allowed God, the Lord Jesus Christ, to cleanse them. And this church worked as a community like we did on, on the Christmas experience in reaching brothers and sisters so that God has increased this body and we're just beginning to see all that God wants to do as we continue to live in his compassion, his cleansing, and his community. Let's go to the Lord right now and just say, Lord, cleanse us. And, and, and just individually make, take time to, get, to be totally right with the Lord. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. Lord Jesus, thank you for not going into the Holy of Holies. Thank you for waiting to go to the cross. Thank you for being willing to wait for us, to wait on us, to suffer, to suffer hell on the cross, separation from the Father so that we could be united with him and so that we could call you our brother and our friend. Thank you for all that you've done for us. We worship you. We confess to you our arrogance, our, our selfishness, our self-centeredness. And we want you to know we love you and are so thankful for what you did so we could have eternal life. We pray, Father, that you would just, uh, just remind us daily of the fact that you've cleansed us, that you had compassion on us, and help us to walk in the community of believers, God helping and caring for one another and loving one another the way you've loved us, that the world may see you through us here at Liberty Baptist Church throughout this year. We hope that message was an encouragement to your heart. Now for weekly updates and for information about Liberty Baptist Church, be sure to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC of Las Vegas. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, God bless.